Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here in the South, college football knows no offseason. The regular season gives way to bowl season, which blends into recruiting season, and now into spring practice. The spring spotlight is particularly bright here locally, where our two local colleges, Savannah State and Georgia Southern, are breaking in new coaches. Sports writer Nathan Dominitz catches us up on all things Tigers and Eagles on today's edition of the Commute Podcast. From SavannahNow.com, this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Brimmer, opinion editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today's episode hits on my personal favorite topic, college football. No surprise to anybody out there, right? Spring practice is underway at Savannah State and Georgia Southern with two new coaches, Aaron Kelton and Clay Helton, leading those programs. SSU's Kelton is really new. He was hired last week and held his first spring practice earlier today. Sports writer Nathan Dominance, who covers both SSU and GSU, is my guest. First, though, a message about the podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Let's face it, when it comes to the office environment, we've all been treading water since the COVID-19 outbreak. We didn't know when we were going to get back, and we came back. We don't know. We realize we can do our work from home, so how much time should we spend in the office? Regardless, if you're, if you're a leader of an organization, you haven't thought much about investing in your office space. Well, now is the perfect time to freshen up that space. And the folks at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create great workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the interview with local college football insider, Nathan Dominance. Joined on the commute today by sports writer Nathan Dominance, who has, it's spring football time, which is always a busy time, Mm -hmm. but in Savannah this year, it's particularly (laughs) busy because you have two schools that we're focused on and two schools that have had coaching changes. And we're going to talk about them both today, but I want to focus primarily on Savannah Mm -hmm. State, which of course... Savannah State has had a little bit of a renaissance the last couple of years. They reclassified, moved from 1AA or FCS, however you want to, uh, however you want to clarify it, in Division One down or back down to Division Two, where they were back in the 90s and, and before that, and back into the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference with their traditional rivals, Albany State, Fort Valley State, Morehouse, those kinds of schools. So they've had a good couple of years. And when you have a good couple of years and you're Savannah State, your coach is going to get poached. And that's what happened in Savannah State exactly. last year. Sean Quinn leaves, takes a job uh, at Virginia Tech, on the staff at Virginia Tech. Can't blame him for that. Mm-hmm. But then Savannah State doesn't hire a coach. And recruiting season comes along. And they've still got an interim coach who recruits the team. And then spring practice approaches, and they still don't have a coach. Mm-hmm. And they start spring practice, and immediately after they start spring practice, 
they hire a coach <laughs> and they hire a coach from the outside who immediately suspends spring practice because he's not here yet. And this week, Savannah State did restart spring practice. Mm-hmm. They began the, uh, the Kelton era. That's right. I guess it's Aaron Kelton. Aaron yeah. Kelton. He is the new coach. And Nathan is in to kind of walk us through kind of what's happened with the process, what his early impressions of Coach Kelton are, and, mm-hmm. and where the program is. Because, Nathan, this is a program that uh, is a contender at the level that they are. Mm-hmm. I look from the outside at this and say, oh, my God, they just they just messed up their whole program just because of the, the lag in the process. Uh, you're more of an insider from what you see. Where is this program? What are your impressions of Kelton? Mm-hmm. What should we expect? Yeah, they didn't kind of get in their own way, and they needed to get out of their own way with this. The way it should have worked is, yes, you do have a couple of really good seasons. Uh, Sean Quinn whose uh, career trajectory was spend a couple of years at each, uh, each college in the Southeast. He's a Chicago guy, loves the Southeast. He's been at major college programs uh, with small titles. He's been at small colleges with big titles. Savannah State head coach was his first head coaching job. He was the interim coach. They did choose to keep the continuity. It's important to remember that. They did keep the continuity with him and it paid off because they moved down to, uh, to Division II, like you said, with a more like-minded financially matched uh, institutions. And uh, and the record shows that it was the right move in terms of wins and losses, certainly. Uh, seven and three, the first year overall, five and zero oh in the conference. They weren't eligible to, to compete for the conference championship, but they felt like they were champions. They were the best. They were the best. But, you know, when you're in the new team, you don't make the rules all the time. So then you had the pandemic year when they had a really strong team. Most of those guys came back. And so last season, they go eight and two. The only two teams they, they lost to were the best team in the conference, Albany State and Valdosta State to open the season. The best two, one or two teams in the country at the yeah, time. Yeah, they played for the national title, did they? Not? Yeah, just about every year. They're in the semifinals or finals just about every year. So nobody beats them. Uh, Savannah State, uh, I don't know if we want to do this. They were on the cusp of making the NCAA playoffs. We want to, I want to emphasize how close they were to being a playoff team. The top eight teams in the region rankings go to the playoffs. They would have been an at-large team because they didn't win the conference because Albany State beat them. So they were five and one in the conference. They got leapfrogged on the day of the the uh, playoff when they when they the selection the selection. Thank you. When the selection, they got leapfrogged by a team with the same record basically, and they ended up being ninth out of eight teams. So it's a good reason to piss off a coach. Right. You worked that hard. The facilities, the programs go in the right direction. Love the kids. But when you're one of your best friends, former a guy that you work with at Georgia Southern and other places, Brent Pry, uh, the day before gets the head coach at Virginia Tech. That's how it works. He he finds a spot for you, and yeah. the next day, <laughs> yeah. December first, Sean Quinn lets Savannah State know, or at least he let everybody know that that he is moving on. He resigned, and so that's another day to remember. December first, teams are still playing. December first, Savannah State was done. They didn't make the playoffs. They needed a head coach. December 3rd, two days later, they named an interim. That's already a little slow right. on the response. Right. But the guy they, they picked to be the interim is Russell DeMossi. Yeah, an assistant. Assistant, been with the program from 2015. It's been reported a lot that it was 2013. That's not accurate. He was at Shorter in 2013-14. The only other place he's been besides Shorter University in Rome, as far as a coach, is Savannah State. He's held just about every title, including assistant head coach, recruiting coordinator. Anyway, he's done everything. He's paid his dues. Local kid, local from Savannah, 
played at Savannah Christian as a standout quarterback, played at George Southern as the the, uh, the scout team quarterback. So not a lot of glory there. Paid his dues, well-liked, well-loved. The players supported him uh, in person, interviews and online and on social media. There's a bunch of people out there on social media said, hey, you got your guy right there. Let's go with Russell DeMossi. You get continuity, you get stability. Maybe you keep more players. You would have kept the coaching staff, we yeah, assume. That, and that's so, what I want to come back to. Yeah, it's come back to that. All the coaching staff. All but one, and that one was a volunteer, and he's still there. I just got back from the first practice for Aaron Kilton, if everyone's keeping up. <laughs> so his first practice was today, as we're taping this, is April 12th. Tuesday the 12th. Tuesday the 12th. The team should have already had, based on their original schedule, seven practices out of the allowed 15. And so Coach Kelton just told me not an hour ago, we're going to uh, extend spring practice to uh, later in April. Okay. So I don't have the official schedule in front of me. It might be on my email as we speak, but uh, they're going to go an extra week. We're going to finish the 22nd, so they're going to finish the next Saturday, whatever that date is, around the 30th, I think, uh, if my math is right. So there is going to be a public uh, – it's not going to be a game. It's going to be a, a controlled scrimmage because the players are just getting used to the new playbook. They literally – today was the first day of practice on the field. So they're installing new offense and new defense. We can get into that. Nick Trist is the only coach who's back. Uh, that he can't say this a little. Uh, we'll disagree on this uh, with Coach Kelton. He said he couldn't tell me the the other assistants that we saw on the field. They kind of rounded up people that were available to kind of run practice. Demasi still there? Did he no, no. So what what Russell Demasi? He offered Russell Demasi a position on the uh, on the on the staff. He would just say could have put it that you could assume offense. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Russell said, you know, my heart was uh, on becoming the head coach. This is a sign it's time to move forward. I'm prepared. My, me and my wife, were, were, my wife and I are prepared to leave Savannah. We love Savannah. So this gets into something I'm sure we, we want to talk about, which is do you choose a coach that you know, what, you know, bird in the hand? You know, you know what he's about. You know what he can do. He hasn't ever been a head coach. He hasn't been a head coach at an HBCU or a small college or anywhere. And then, but he offers stability. Or do you think that once if they continue the success, they're going to lose him. And I bring this up because Savannah State, as based on my research, has not had a coach for more than three seasons, sometimes less, a lot of times less, since 1992. That's a long time, boys since and girls. Bill Davis. Bill Davis. Bill Davis' Harris. first run when yeah. they were one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. So back in the, the 92, I think, was the last year of like seven in a row for him at that point. So Richard Basil, Shannon Sharp. Those this teams. was when Adam was, was here then. I was not. But, no, uh, I was not here. Not that old. <laughs> but, but that was when you are talking Shannon Sharp. Yes, you're talking about pro-level Hall of Fame athlete right there. Right. And a, a team obviously around him that was very good. They've had some really down uh, – they've had a drought, basically. Yeah, yeah they've had a bumpy but, road. And one, one, two, three wins maximum. Uh, I might be missing a year, but basically three wins is actually a positive out of 11 games. Right. So Sean Quinn, getting back to Sean Quinn, he's the interim. He, he gives some stability in terms of uh, continuity. They go eight and two. They go one and one in the pandemic. They played a couple games. Then they go eight, or sorry, seven, three, one and one. And do so 16 and six overall, 10 and one in the conference, which – Conference has got to say, like, these guys are some of the bullies of the conference, right? Right. Going 10 and 1 in in, uh, over two seasons. So, uh, yeah, so that's where we are. And Demasi did not get the job. He's one of four finalists that were announced. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said he got a fair shot. 
that he was in it the whole way. He felt like he had a job to do as interim coach. So this is where people feel like it was unfair. Uh, not unfair that he didn't get the job as much as unfair that he w- did all this work and didn't get the job. I'm making that distinction. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, that you got a good point there. But when I think about the program overall, I'm thinking about the timing. You mentioned December yeah. 1st earlier. Yeah. What in the world? I mean, you know, you got a hot coach. You probably should have some kind of secession plan or at least right. something in mind. What happens between December the 1st and April the 5th? 5th. It's four full months. That's, what are they doing? That's why I wrote my <laughs> column that was in today's paper right. and online yesterday. The timing, there's only, they can control so much, but they've got to, like you said, every athletic director worth his salt says, I have a list of names of guys in case we ever lose our coach. And I've and, already talked to him our agents, by the way. So yeah. they know that yeah. we may be calling them. Yeah. I don't know if Savannah State came at it from that angle. I think they, they probably were surprised by Sean Quinn leaving. Now, I, wa- I wasn't, to be honest, because... <laughs> they are the only ones that were. <laughs> as soon as he said, I'm leaving, I knew where he was going because we had talked yeah. about... Now, I, there wasn't anything concrete. He wasn't like, I'm going to Virginia Tech. Right. He's like... She didn't need to be a detective. To put I, I said, I said uh, Brent Pry is up for Virginia Tech. He's like, yeah, keep an eye on that. Yeah. He didn't have the job yet, but he got the job on a say Tuesday and, right. and Sean Quinn left on Wednesday. And it, like we said, it's totally understandable. Um, this is how you move your way up in the world of college football. It's everybody. It's a pretty small world as we'll see in a minute, if we talk about shorter. So um, they, they should have had something in place, but to your point and to my point in the, in the, uh, uh, savannahnow.com mm-hmm. slash sports, mm-hmm. um, you don't, you have to feel a sense of urgency, a sense of urgency uh, about, replacing coach because for a lot of good reasons one is uh, you want to keep the staff together you want to keep the players that you have it's recruiting season now savannah state just to differentiate them from a lot of division one schools people are used to now early signing day in december well savannah state is geared towards february February. i just want to make that clear so they had some time so you have off-season weight and condition strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. Uh, russell demasi oversaw that you have the recruiting class of 2022 30 some 36 uh signees who we still don't know if they're all going to show up. Um, then you have spring practice, which got pushed and pushed and the semester is only so long. So they basically pushed it to the end and they, I don't think they're going to get, they're going to get maybe if all goes well, weather wise, they'll get maybe 12 of the 15. But my, one of my points, and, and I hope you agree is spring is important, especially in football. We don't have a new coach trying to install new systems, right? It's not like, let's just do again what we did last season. Uh, you got new players, new coaches. Um, the assistant coaches didn't know what the future held. So they weren't so much jumping off of the ship as they were like, I got to feed my family. Yeah, got the jobs. So you, the time, the cycle to find new jobs is from December. I'm not in the, that world, but after the season or near, near after the season to let's say early January. Yeah. If that, if that, because everybody wants to get their guy, their people right. in place so you can run spring and, and all that. Now, even as Aaron Kelton mentioned, now is not a good time to be looking for assistant coaches. The good ones, that's my words. A lot of the guys that you would look at have jobs. And if you want to poach them, that's his words. Mm -hmm. Poach them, you're taking them off a staff that's right in the middle, most likely, of spring practice. That's He said, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. He's a... Plus, they have no leverage to pull anybody. Yeah. They're not, they don't pay very much. They, They got a program that is in shambles. 
I'm sorry, they are in shambles. When you, when you go this long, mm-hmm. you are putting the head coach behind the, the proverbial. That's yeah, that was also a good point that that you want to give the guy a chance to succeed. Yes. Why does he have to come in in midstream? Like w- within the stream, he's he's in another midstream. So he uh, he spent with them once uh, April 5th, and then he got to town. With, we're taping on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He got back to town. Uh, he lives in Maryland, but he's he's going to rent here. He got to town, back to town on Sunday. There are direct flights from Baltimore. So he's been here since Sunday. They practiced this morning at 8 a.m. And they're going to practice uh, several times a week until I don't even know if they're going to get to 12. So what is he saying and what is the administ- the administration saying about the, why, why this delay? That was good. We asked them directly at his press conference on April 5th. And the question was asked, why did it take so long? It's a pretty direct question. And uh, Opio Mashariki, who's been with the program for a long, long time, was sports information director, now the athletic director. He said, well, the coach Quinn left at the beginning of December, which is true. Then we had the holidays. That's a direct quote. Then we got the committee together. I'm paraphrasing now, but in mid-January. And it took time. We didn't want to rush it. We wanted to let it take its course. But we didn't want to take too long. Those are all basically direct quotes. Now, in January 25th, they put out a press release saying a national search is underway for the new head coach. And I thought, well, of course it is. You've been searching since December, right? Right. But apparently not. Apparently they were searching once the committee was formed and then you have to post the job opening and then you have to let the applications come in. They said they got 63. Said it takes time to go through 63 applicants. Now, if you know what you're looking for, it probably shouldn't take 63 days or whatever, no. but but they didn't announce it. They they let Russell Demasi, they trusted him to do the job. He did the job. The players openly uh, campaigned for him. And if he got the job, we would be having a different conversation about continuity and keeping a guy who's been there since 2015 and, and all that. Now, they also said, well, we like the other guy more, Aaron Kelton. And now that I've met him, I can say he's engaging. He has a football head coach vibe. He's been a head coach at different places. He's paid his dues at different places. Um, and people speak very highly of him. Obviously, he's going to say being one of them. He doesn't have the track record of a winning program as, as under head coach. But he had to have some reservations, right? I mean, he's got to understand the situation he's stepping yeah. into. Yeah. And he he had a job, right? He came yes. from Morgan State. Yeah, or uh, well, he was went from Morgan State to Howard. Howard, I'm sorry. Nearby, nearby Morgan State, Baltimore, Howard, and D.C., both in the MEAC. Neighborings. He didn't have to move. He, uh, so he, uh, he, uh, he was, he, he went at Howard. This is, I think, is of interest because he understand, and he talked about this today, too. Um, he came over director of football operations uh, after being a, a co-defense coordinator at, at Morgan State. He went over to Howard. Uh, Morgan State did not do that, wasn't doing that well at the time. Um, and then the, uh, the head coach at Howard, Ron Prince, got into some deep trouble, got suspended, and then resigned. And uh, Coach uh, Aaron Kelton just told me this. He, I said, what, "What what games did you coach?" So he got he found out on Thursday morning practice that the coach was gone, and then he had to coach the next three games of the 2019 season. And then they didn't pick him as interim; they picked Larry Scott, who's there now for the last two seasons, including the pandemic. The MEAC, I don't think, played during the 2020. So um, it's a lot of uh, familiar people, people that know each other, people familiar with the MEAC 
you're familiar with HBCUs and uh, people like Aaron Kelton a lot. Uh, so, um, but he said, I asked him about why he thought he was picked and why today I asked him why Savannah State, because you were at Howard, like what you had just asked me. And he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but I just heard it. He thinks Savannah State is a goldmine in terms of recruiting, in terms of what they have to offer. He thinks this is a program that, that could be a winning program for a long time. Mm. Now, he did say the facilities, and I, I can't vouch for firsthand experience beyond knowing that there's some issues with the facilities, specifically the field at TA Wright Stadium, which under an extremely heavy rainstorm in the final game of the season against ironically named Edward Waters, mm -hmm. they had basically a river and the, the, the field buckled and they had to play the game at Memorial Stadium that night. So uh, that was important because they were trying to get another win and improve their case to make the playoffs. So basically the facilities are not where they want. Uh, when Sean Quinn had his like season ending wrap up interview, he said that's something that he and OPO and other people are really going to have to uh, stump for because it's people beyond them, beyond the athletic department that have to fund the facilities. It's not a matter of like, we're not asking for it. They're asking for better facilities. This is Sean Quinn talking and we need people to support that. Okay. So Kelton's saying all the right things. Mm -hmm. I've looked, I'm going to be honest, a very rudimentary look at, at Aaron Kelton. And the one thing that jumped out at me was he spent two years at Shorter College and went zero and 22. That's correct. So I asked him about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was his response? To uh, he thought that they, they had put in the work, that it was a short tenure, and he felt like he learned from it. And one, one thing that another head coach told me was uh, the other day was that, that where Shorter was coming from, there's a little bit of context, was they were an NAA program, a good one, and they decided to move up to Division II. So they're playing teams that already have more scholarships, already have players that are Division II players rather than NAIA players. And you can take offense or not to that. But when a kid is a prospect, if he's a Division I prospect, we all understand that that's better than Division II, generally speaking. You may have a Division I player at Division II, for example, but you're not going to have a whole bunch of NAIA. At NAIA, you're not going to have Division I, two talent. Right. So he said, uh, the coach, uh, Wayne Carr at uh, Morgan State, he said, you need to look at what Shorter had at the time. They, they were playing teams with more talent and more scholarships. Okay. So the, just, and just as a, for instance, the player that, that uh, Aaron Kelton did get fired, he was the acting athletic director simultaneous to being the head football coach at a small college in Rome that had just made in 2015, officially become division two. Okay. So the coach that replaced him also went 0 and 11. So there wasn't a lot of talent there. Uh, he didn't bring any talent in apparently and uh, not, not good on your resume. Um, and he was the head coach of Williams College before that, which plays in a, a different kind of level, a Division Three New England teams. And he went eight and zero. That's a traditional, yeah, star-studded Division Three program. Okay, uh, Williams and Amherst. Amherst, their big rival. Big rival. So, yeah, so they went, program. That's true. They they went. He and he's a local kid uh, from Boston. Uh, he um, he went eight and zero the first season at, at Williams. You could say, well, that was with other people's players. That's fair. But then he went downhill from there to 500 to two and six. And then eventually they finished around 23 and 25. Okay. So to, to, he went right from Williams to Shorter and right from Shorter to other places, Morgan State. To, so he's got a lot to prove. He's, he's got to prove short. as a head coach that he can win games with his guys. Yeah. Um, and so far he's got, 
he's a, he, apparently he's an excellent interview, very personable, can talk the talk, walk the walk. Is so in the press conference, yeah. different than winning games. Yeah, and and I I do I don't know how much time we have, but I do want to say it's it's fairly or not. It's interesting to compare how they came about getting head coach while Georgia Southern went through an interim process and ended up with their head coach. Maybe apples to oranges, but uh, maybe there's a lesson in how you do it versus how you probably don't want to do it. You can still end up with the right candidate. But in terms of your point earlier, you're set, you're not giving this coach much of a chance to, to make a lot of progress. At least not early on. No, he said they did. He said he liked what he saw today. First day on the field. He didn't say that. Yeah, first <laughs> day on the field. He's not going to say, whoo, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's setting the wrong tone. <laughs> yeah, he, well, you want you obviously want to build them up, uh, and we'll we'll see. But the like I, a point I made is he probably in the column is he probably can't wait till the season starts because there's a lot of skepticism, as you mentioned, when you're only 22 at another school in Georgia, right? Fairly unfairly that you got to do better than that, right? Yeah, he can't wait for the season to start, and he also can't wait for the high school season to start so he can start to recruit his own kids because ultimately yeah. that's what it comes down to. We'll be back to talk about Georgia Southern in a moment. We're talking college sports on today's commute, but in this break, I'm going to tell you about the Coastal Empire High School Sports Awards presented by Georgia Ports and sponsored by the Chatham Orthopedic Associates. The awards return to an in-person format this year after two years of virtual shows. The event honors the best of Savannah's high school sports athletes and will be held in June at the Johnny Mercer Theater. More information, such as the exact date and ticket information, is still to come. Read the Savannah Morning News Sports section daily, available online at savannahnow.com sports, to keep up with our youth athletes' latest successes. Now, here's Nathan Dominitz on the Georgia Southern Eagles. So you mentioned Georgia Southern. Let's transition in and talk about that real quick. Uh, they are in the middle of spring practice as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clay Helton's first season, so you have right. Aaron Kelton, who all – Due respect to Aaron Kelton, nobody heard of to Clay Helton, who everybody heard of Clay D- Helton Division because, One because he played because he was a coach at Southern Cal. Blue Blood Program, the Southern top Cal. Five story yeah. programs in the country. Yeah. John McKay, John Robinson, exactly. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Ma- yeah. You want to mention uh, Lane Kiffin, maybe not. No, but pretty good coach. Yeah. So so that's where Georgia Southern is. Of course, they parted ways with their last coach in the middle of last season. We don't need to rehash they started poorly. They had an off-the-field incident. He's gone. Georgia Southern struggling. They bring in, they make the big splash with the big hire, yes. Clay Helton. They hire him in the middle of the season. So, November 4th. Yeah. So they they took care of business the exact opposite of the same. That's State, the lesson to be learned. If you can pull this so off, can do it. don't wait till the end of the season. Right. That's right. So that's where Georgia Southern is. Uh, Helton's been there long enough, did all the offseason work, did the recruiting, probably spent a whole lot of time in meeting rooms and film rooms, at least uh, drawing up the schemes and getting them ready. Yeah. What have you seen since they, and I know that you don't see much because it's, it's limited practice, but, but what are you hearing in turn or limited availability for the media to practice? What are you hearing and what are you expecting to see when the spring game comes here in a couple of weeks? Yeah. I, I, I think uh, it'd be fair to say we're going to see the ball in the air a whole lot more mm-hmm. than people maybe have ever seen. I guess there was a couple of years, we had the hatch attack and, and yeah. the, the name of the guy that no one wants to mention, Brian Van Gorder. But uh, <laughs> that was before, before my time uh, uh, here in Savannah. I've been here. As before. another man, I, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things they don't talk about. But 
or try not to, but uh, Clay Helton has brought in um, uh, Brian Alice, who was the offensive coordinator uh, or co-coordinator at, uh, at, at Western Kentucky, which was basically statistically the number one or two offense pick a category. They're either one or two in all the big categories. Throw the ball a ton. You have to have a quarterback. This could be more in depth, but they're going to put the ball in the air. They also say they know the history, the tradition at Savannah, at George Southern, excuse me. You, you ha- they've had thousand yard rushers when he was at Memphis and when he's at Southern Cal, of course, they have a division one talent mm-hmm. too. Um, they, uh, they say it's a 50, it's a balanced offense. So if the run is there, they're going to run big, big scoops of yardage, big chunks. If they're going to pass the ball, if it's there, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to guarantee they're going to pass the ball a lot. I've been watching practice. The ones I've been to the ball's in the air a lot. Now I'm not saying they don't run it, but, uh, and, you know, there is some context. Uh, he, uh, he took some heat at Southern Cal for not preparing his team the way people thought. And I saw them working on the red zone offense a lot at the, at the, the first scrimmage. So uh, Clay Helton, uh, uh, career coach, he's got a lot of good things in his resume. Uh, apparently, he won two out of every three games at Southern Cal, won a Pac-12 a Pac title, won a Rose Bowl. Not good enough for that situation. <laughs> um, and uh, he's going to, I think there's a lot of excitement in George, at George Southern because it is a name coach, because it is a guy that was at Memphis and Southern. I know people don't think of Memphis right off the bat, but they, they put up some good numbers and he's got a good track record of, of, for offense. And um, as a head coach, he has a pretty good track record. Now, if you expect to win Pac-12 titles every year, I don't know who, who expects that outside of Oregon. But um, uh, anyway, if there's a, I think they they have a brand new defensive coordinator, Will Harris, who was the defensive backs coach in Washington. They were statistically the number one defensive backfield in the country last year, and they have one guy that'll probably be a first round pick, another guy maybe a second rounder. So they had a lot of talent, and he used that talent to, to just do a shutdown defensive back core there. So he's now the defensive coordinator. They've got. Um, They've got some holes to fill on defense, mm-hmm. certainly. They lost uh, some bunch of guys. They have some fifth, sixth, and seventh-year seniors. So that'll be interesting to see how that mixes in. But uh, basically, the quarterback situation uh, has been the real focus. I think a lot of people are interested five in Five now? There's certainly five guys. There's one, there would be six. Yeah. But uh, Josh Dallas, uh, the, well, the Dallas twins. I, I don't want to confuse David Dallas and Josh Dallas. I, I know I'm going to right now. But the Dallas – True freshman, early enrollee, he got hurt. Uh, he's, you see him at practice in a sling, so on his throwing, I think it was a shoulder. So he has not practiced. He's not going to be back till the summer, and that's that's understandable. He normally would still be in high school going to prom, uh, and his brother's not there yet either. So, but you've got five quarterbacks of various uh, transfer ex- from Buffalo, who's played a lot, right? He's played. He's he's. I would say when I've been there, he's thrown. He's probably thrown as a He's most likely to throw his arm out if that's possible compared to all the other guys combined. Kyle Van Trees is a, as a, a grad transfer. It's technically his sixth spring that he's been in because he was an early enrollee at Buffalo. He's a veteran's veteran and he can run this offense. So unless one of the younger kids is really, really impressive. Right. And, they, and, and Helton says, well, let's look to the future. This is probably the kid that's going to be. I would say in April, this is about as sure a thing as we could say in April. Cam Ransom was a true freshman last year. He was the future star. He was going to pay his dues until, you know, it got very um, – the, the quarterback situation got total upheaval last season with, I think, five different guys playing, uh, nobody playing that great. Uh, 
Ransom got hurt every time he played. So um, anyway, the bottom line is I, I, I've seen him not really picking things up in my, my observations. I'm not saying I'm there every hour of every day, but the other quarterbacks have also gotten looks, including another early enrollee, Zach Rosman. Okay. But um, I'd say Kyle Van Trees is going to be definitely in the mix. If not, he's the, the go-to guy. We have, they have the spring game on April 23rd at noon. And that would be the, if, if he's the first guy out there and the, the last guy out there or gets the majority of the snaps, it just makes sense. You, you want a veteran guy to run an offense that is brand new to everybody. And if you, if you throw too much at guys uh, in April, they're going to look a little lost out there and he, he doesn't look lost. Right. And this is all really geared toward one thing here, right? It's, it's not so long ago, Georgia Southern was contending for Sun Belt championships, won Sun Belt championships, is that not right? With Willie Fritz, if I oh, recall. that's too far back. Okay, so they me, won. They me. have not in under the current way that the conferences they have not played for a conference championship game. They've had some good runs. They went ten and three. Right. Did they play for a bowl game under Lunsford? They played they three straight bowl games. They won the first one and the third one okay. in December of twenty twenty. They beat Louisiana Tech thirty eight to three in the Norms Bowl. And he was fired four games later. Right. So this that that takes some explanation. That's why I have the expert here. So the fact, but, but that all comes back to one thing, and that's the fact that the fan base, the people that are funding the program, mm-hmm. yeah. are looking at Tulsa, Carolina, Appalachian State, mm-hmm. other teams in the conference, and seeing them ascending. Right. At the same time, when Georgia Southern is plateauing, if not They're dropping, doing the dog paddle. Right. So it, so they go ahead and they and they give them the resources to hire Clay Helton. Right. More resources. Is a good point. Good so, point. So what is your general feel for expectations are huge? Yeah, there's a cost of doing business. And I think Clay Helton spelled that out for them like uh, and I wasn't in the room when it <laughs> happened. Uh, right. But he basically said, you know, if we want to compete and I think Jared Binko, the athletic director, agrees totally if we want to compete. We've got to put the money. We've got to invest in the football program. I know that sounds uh, like, well, of course, but it costs millions. It's not just a right. snap decision. So they, they're going to. Uh, the reason have a, they lost Willie Fritz was because they wouldn't money up. Right. My that. understanding was that he didn't. They didn't. They the didn't offer a competitive that's, contract. That's, that's all and he's right. been at Tulane ever since. Yeah. So now you're looking at Clay Maybe they've learned their lesson. They're going to try to. Yeah. They also had the benefit of a kind of a discount because my my. Uh, research. Obviously, I've seen his contract. He's making. Don't hold me the exact figure. He's making about eight hundred thousand dollars, which is a little more than uh, than Chad Munster was making. I think, and it's less than what Willie Fritz was offered at Tulane. I think it was one point two. Yeah, and that's been five years ago. Yeah. So the um, the uh, my understanding is Southern Cal, as part of the uh, contract uh, buyout, was they're paying about ten million. Yeah. So he's not hurting. Yeah, he's not. And uh, he, he's a Southern guy, not, I mean, I'm not just a George Southern guy, he's that now, but he's a guy from the South. His dad, Kim Helton, is a career college and pro coach, NFL and major college coach. He knows how this business works. Uh, and he knows um, that, that George Southern's history is such that they're going to have to keep, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough crowd. You can't go two and two and 10 or two and two and nine. So um They've got a tough schedule. The conference is brand new with uh, Marshall, Su- Southern Miss, uh, James Madison, and Old Dominion. Marshall and James Madison, which is a power at, at the FCS level, they they would be there on the schedule. There, there's going to be some tough games there. Plus, you mentioned Coastal Carolina, 
is still st uh, pretty stacked. Mm -hmm. App State is always good, always a, a great recruiting class and their biggest rival. And then when the Georgia States, they've invested uh, in their program. South Alabama has a, a new, well, it's two years old now, but a new stadium. Troy just fired their coach. They're putting, I'm sure they're doing stuff for him. Uh, so Clay Helton has, um, they have the groundbreaking on April 23rd for a new indoor practice facility, which is for all 17 varsity sports, but that's for those lightning days or those rain days where you still want a guys to practice. You want to do walk walkthroughs at Hanner Fieldhouse, like a high school team. You want them to practice. And you know how the weather is mm -hmm. in uh, in the deep in south. The spring in the fall, yeah. Yeah, you're basically saying, yeah, we're going to have lightning, we're going to have rain. Let's get the practices in. Let's not be behind. So they're going to have that. Uh, the convocation center, which is not related to football, is a huge boost for the men's and women's basketball programs. They're going to have everything in one one stop shopping for the basketball programs instead of being some stuff at Hanner, some stuff other places. Everything's going to be all together and a brand new selling point for recruits too. So, uh, yeah, they, they had to up it. And I think um, that the, the fan base is super excited. Of course, like you said, you've got to prove it in the fall. And uh, I once covered um, Gene Stallings' first year at, at Alabama. Gene Stallings, who had a great record as an NFL assistant coach and all that. And he lost, I believe he lost the first two games. And the, the lead was the honeymoon's over. That's right. Uh, you can't <laughs> lose to, I think he lost to Brett Favre. And, I might be wrong. Brett Favre and Southern Miss. And I think he lost to Florida which is good back then, uh, right. certainly. But you know what? Gene Stallings ended up winning national championship. He ended up doing okay. And yeah. Clay Helton might be the same way. But as excited as the fans are, Clay Helton's not the first coach to lose a major college job and end up at the middle rung ranks in order to rebuild, right? Mm -hmm. We've yeah. seen it with Lane Kiven. I think we're seeing it right now with Butch Davis. Right. How much is that if not a concern, at least on the minds of the fans that, Hey, we, we might only have this guy for, for two or three years. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that, that's fair. I don't think anybody's articulated that from a Georgia Southern point of view, because obviously he hasn't coached a game yet. Right. He deferred uh, to Kevin Whitley, the uh, interim coach and actually right. kept him on board as his associate head coach and cornerbacks coach. Um, uh, that, I'm going to let the, these guys, they earned it. They're the right to finish out this run. Of course, it didn't end up being a very good season at all. In fact, beyond struggling, as it turned out. Um, but they, they, so he hasn't, I don't think, he, I, I think he's grateful for this opportunity. I think he sees it as, as a really good fit for what he wants to do. And he, he I think the George Southern sold the, the university and, and athletic director Jared Benko won him over as much as he, won them over. I think okay. he did not, he, I think I saw a quote from him and of course we had the press conference back in November, so I don't hold my memory too strong, but, but basically he wasn't, he saw coaches waiting around division one coaches waiting around for the right opportunity, some winning program. Obviously if they have a coaching vacancy, unless they lose the guy to the NFL, it's probably not because the team just won 10 or 11 games. That's right. So he said, I really felt out of place those two and a half months not coaching football. I and mean, he was a house husband. He was uh, helping his kid with algebra. He was watching TV like the rest of us during the pandemic. So he really felt like, no, I'm a coach. I need to coach. And when his agent said, will you listen to Georgia Southern? He's like, of course I will. And then he, he was won over. And one thing um, Chad Lunsford, who was the previous coach and other coaches said is Georgia Southern has pressure oh, yeah. because of, of the history. Now the history is a good thing. Because then, but he said, I want to go to a place where people want to win. If people are apathetic or like only out there when you win and don't care, like you'd see an empty stadium when they, 
That isn't the case with Georgia Southern. Now, the pandemic is the only thing that's really kept the crowds down, I think. Right. Now, and maybe the offense. You can argue that the offense, I've heard the argument, the offense doesn't thrill the college kids. Mm. Well, they're going to like the new offense better. The, I, like I said, I've seen the ball in the air a lot. Now, they, there's going to be short passes, checkoff passes, right. not just deep stuff, but they feel like stretching the field opens up the run game because you can't play in a box. So if we want to get X's and O's, you make the defense – you take what the defense gives you, but you make them use the whole cover, the whole field. I know it sounds basic, but football didn't come along that fast to say, we need you to cover every inch of the field because it's a pretty wide field. And if the quarterback can get you the ball, uh, then then it's going to work out. So I'm not saying that they have the same uh, quarterback that they had at Southern Cal, where you have blue chip right. recruits, right. or even the, the guy at Western Kentucky who's hoping to make the NFL. He was at the Combine, Zap, uh, put up huge numbers. So whether it's Kyle Van Treese or Cam Ransom, who has a super strong arm, Connor Sigelski, who I, I think has been surprising. I don't want to say surprising, but he's been really steady. Uh, for a guy that came from a trip like from Maris, where they had like a triple option, I might be calling that wrong, but an option offense. And he, they ask him to throw the ball a lot more now. He's been pretty good. Yeah. And they have a couple other guys too. Well, when it comes to helping you enjoy him while you have him, hope he gets <laughs> your program righted and leaves it, you know, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate measure is leave the place in a better position than when you got there. Yeah. And I think that they can be confident that they're going to do that with Clay Hall. All right. Um, thanks, Nathan. Thank you. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To hear more, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns on Thursday when we discuss the groundbreaking investigative series titled The Art of Gentrification, which was a look at SCAD's growth and its impact on the Savannah community. The stories published last week, and needless to say, they are the talk of the town. The journalist behind the work, Zoe Nicholson, is our guest. We'll talk to you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.